Well, Merry Christmas, Warehouse Church. And Merry Christmas to those of you that are worshiping with us online. It's so good to be with you on this Christmas Eve morning. And I'm so excited. It's, uh, I'm excited that we get to celebrate Christmas together, and we're going to do it all day today. So it's going to be so much fun. Um, we, you know, one of, the, one of the core values here at Warehouse Church is that we love to celebrate stories. And right now, we're celebrating the biggest story to ever hit history. It's the story of the birth of Jesus. And so I'm super excited about that. But we also have little stories that we celebrate in our lives. And, and I just wanted to celebrate one of those stories today because one, uh, one of our amazing families, uh, uh, Sean and Stacy Usley, are celebrating 32 years of marriage today. Well, it's not today. It's this weekend. But we want to say, we want to celebrate that as well. You don't compare to the Jesus being born, okay? But I wanted you to know that we're thinking of you and we want to celebrate you. You know, it's hard to believe that, that we're coming to the end of a year. Another year is going, getting ready to pass by it. And, and I, I, like I said, I'm so excited that we get to come back together tonight at 6 o'clock to celebrate Christmas Eve together. We're going to have such an amazing evening together, together, retelling the Christmas story, having a little candlelight worship, having some worship up here. It's going to be so amazing. And tomorrow... Tomorrow's going to be equally good as we celebrate Christmas with friends and family and we gather around the, the Christmas tree or the living room or the dinner table or whatever and we just celebrate uh, Jesus even more tomorrow. And, and it's in that spirit that I just want to invite you right now. I just want to invite you to turn around and I just want you to tell people around you, just say Merry Christmas to them. Just let them know that you're glad that you're here. Say Merry Christmas. So... Right now, we're, we're, end, we're coming toward the end also of our Advent teaching series. So Advent just means preparation, getting ready for Christmas, and it's the four weeks that lead up to Christmas. And so we've been doing this teaching series, if you're just joining us today, called Reasons for the Season. Not just reason, but reasons for the season. And we've been taking the, the whole month of December, and we've been looking at reasons why Jesus himself said that he had to come on that first Christmas and so these aren't just reasons that, that we're making up, but these are actually the words of Jesus and what Jesus said and the reasons why he said that he had to come from up there to down here. And, and this is why we celebrate Christmas, right? Like we celebrate because Jesus came. He came in a manger. He came and he, he came in this humble way the first time he came. When he returns, it's not going to be so humble. It's not going to be so quiet, but it's going to be magnificent. And, and we say these words, and you've probably heard them around town, uh, whether when you've been Christmas shopping or if you've been at the grocery store or wherever, you've probably heard someone say, well, don't forget, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I think that we can all agree that it's important, that it's important that we celebrate that Jesus came. But I think it's equally important that we know why. Jesus had to come. Like, why did Jesus, why is he the reason for the season? You see, Jesus didn't come because he was sitting up there in heaven and he was lonely and he was lacking anything. He didn't come for that. He didn't come because he was bored and he was looking for adventure. No, Jesus came for a very specific reason. And truth is, Jesus actually came for several specific reasons, which is what we've been exploring over the past few weeks. And I want you to remember that our big theme, I want you to remember the big overarching theme is this, that Jesus came on a multi-purpose mission 
designed to meet our multifaceted needs. And here's what we said. We said we've all got many different needs that we're, that we're imperfect and we're human and we, we, we have messes in our lives and we all have these needs. And Jesus, he came on a multi-purpose mission to meet each and every one of those needs. needs. And in today's passage, we'll see that one of the reasons that Jesus came was he said that he came to seek and to save the lost. That that's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so let's check out exactly what Jesus said. And, and I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, or if you have the Version Bible app, turn to Luke, the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, it's chapter 19, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses together. So Luke, chapter 9, uh, starting in verse or chapter 19, starting in verse 1, and here is what Jesus, uh, what Luke tells of Jesus. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse six, so he came down at once. Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son, this is Jesus, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, a lot of us are familiar with the story of Zacchaeus, right? We, we grew up maybe singing the song, Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man, and, and how he climbed up in the sycamore tree. And, and because this is such a familiar story to many of us that maybe grew up in church, and maybe we grew up going to kids' ministry or Sunday school and, and singing about it, it's easy for us to miss what's happening in the story, because we get caught up on Zacchaeus, and we get caught up on that he was short, and that he was vertically challenged, and that he climbed a tree, and, and, and we miss the rest of the story. But ultimately, what we see in Zacchaeus truly is the story that we see in every one of us that comes to faith in Jesus, that if you've said yes to Jesus, that you've experienced Zacchaeus' story. So whether you're a believer or not, we all fit somewhere in the Zacchaeus story. Like whether it's before he met Jesus, some of us can relate to Zacchaeus because while we've never given our lives to Jesus, we've heard about Jesus. Or maybe you're in the midst of meeting Jesus and you can relate to Zacchaeus when Jesus calls him out of the tree. Or or maybe you've been a believer and you've said yes to Jesus and you can relate to Zacchaeus after 
he met Jesus. You see, we can all relate to the story because we all started in the same place that Zacchaeus started. And that was this idea of being confronted with the person and the work of Jesus. You see, here's what I want you to know today is that each one of us is confronted with Jesus. At some point in your life, you have been confronted with Jesus. Look again at verses one through four. It says, Jesus came into Jericho and he was just passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector, which meant that he was a thief and he was very wealthy and he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short and he's like, I can't see, I can't see, he, he climbed up, he ran ahead of the crowd and he climbed up into a tree just so he could see Jesus because he knew that Jesus was coming that way. And you see, Zacchaeus, like many in the people in that time, had heard about Jesus. There was a buzz about Jesus. And he had likely heard things like that Jesus was this amazing teacher, that he captivated the audiences that he spoke to because he spoke of things that they hadn't heard and he spoke in ways that they had never heard before. And so thousands had already gathered to hear Jesus and many, many, many lives were transformed by what he said. But word had also gotten out that Jesus was not just a great communicator, but that he was also a miracle worker. And so many uh, were there to see his signs and wonder. They'd heard that he'd already healed somebody. They heard that he took a guy with leprosy and restored him. They heard that he took a blind guy and made him see again. They've heard all of these, that, that he had taken demons and he had, had and, and kids that were, and, and people that were demon-possessed and he had, had gotten the demons and out of them. And so thousands also had gathered because they wanted to see what Jesus was gonna do next. They were there for the show. And so you've got this grown man, and while he was short in statue, he was a grown man climbing up into a tree just to see Jesus. And I thought about that. When was the last time you ever climbed a tree? Like, for me, it's been a while, and, and, and the point is there's something, something humbling about a grown man climbing up in a tree just to see Jesus. But it was worth it for Zacchaeus to see what all the buzz about Jesus was about. Like it was worth it for him to climb up into the tree. And he's like, I'll climb up this tree. I'll do whatever it takes if it means that I can look at this Jesus guy who had already done so many amazing things. And at this point, Jesus' ministry, at this point in the gospels, his ministry was already very public. And it was also very confrontational on purpose. Like Jesus spoke his mind. Jesus was confrontational towards people. And he didn't come just to give some moral code, right? Like he didn't come just to give some moral rules to live by. But rather, Jesus came to transform lives. He came to see lives transformed and made new. And here... In our story today, we see Zach being confronted by Jesus, and ultimately his life is forever changed. It's transformed. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're like Zacchaeus, 
And maybe you've heard the buzz about Jesus. Maybe someone invited you to church today, or, or maybe you, you've heard it's Christmas and you're like, ah, oh, I should go to church and I should hear about Jesus. And, and, and maybe you're just here and you just want to check out who this Jesus guy is. And at the end of the day, that's every one of our stories. Like we heard about Jesus and we just wanted to know more because Jesus is such a big deal. He's such a big deal and it's hard to avoid him. It's really hard to ignore Jesus. And the buzz about Jesus back in Zacchaeus' day, well, it was apparently justified because like, like uh, Christina said, we're still here. 2,000 years later, we're still here worshiping Jesus. And Jesus at Zacchaeus' time, he hadn't even died yet. He hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't risen from the grave. And yet there is this huge buzz all around the area about Jesus. And so you might be here for the exact same reason. Maybe you've heard about Jesus and you're looking for some truth today. And you're not the only person either that's heard about Jesus. Like people all across the world have heard about Jesus. People all across the world will be celebrating the birth of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there are 2.5 billion people who claim to worship Jesus, making Christianity the world's largest religion. So the buzz about Jesus has only increased since Zacchaeus' day. And the truth is this, that no one in history, no one in history has had the kind of influence that Jesus has. Every one of us is confronted with Jesus. And here's the truth, that we have two potential responses that when we are confronted with Jesus, there are two ways that we can respond. And the first is that you can put your head in the sand and you can ignore Jesus. Like you can put your head in the sand and you can ignore that he ever happened. You can ignore the reality, you can ignore the impact, you can ignore the significance of Jesus. Now I would say, if you were to tell me that you were uh, one of those people that ignore the reality of Jesus, I would say it's hard. Like it's really hard to ignore the person of Jesus because here's what we naturally do. We naturally gravitate towards stuff that's a big deal. Like we naturally want to know more about things that are a big deal. I mean, think about the revival that took place at Asbury College uh, in, in this past year. And people, they came from all over to see what was going on because it was such a big deal. Believers and non-believers alike, they heard about it and they traveled and swarmed to Kentucky, to Wilmore, Kentucky to see what was going on. Or think about even around here, like when, when a snowstorm comes into town, right? Like when a snowstorm happens, everybody does what? You head to Food City, right? And you get your bread and you get your milk to make milk sandwiches. And then the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet, they're out there salting the roads and, 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 and caution signs go up uh, about the weather and everybody is chatting about on Facebook, it's a big deal. Like we just had a little snow, uh, you know, the past week and everybody was making a big deal about it, but a snowstorm comes and it's a big deal and there's a buzz. And so just like a snowstorm, you kind of have to put in the work to ignore the person of Jesus. Like you have to try really hard to ignore Jesus. 
But that's exactly what a lot of people do when it comes to the news of Jesus. That's why we say happy holidays now instead of Merry Christmas, because we're trying really hard to ignore the news of Jesus. We bury our heads in the sands and we work really hard to ignore the reality of Jesus. And my hope for you is that you wouldn't fall into this category. Because here's what I know, is that Jesus is too big to ignore. But then there's the second response. And my hope is that this is your response, that you put your biases aside and and you put them on hold or maybe on pause and you check out the person of Jesus. Like my hope is that if you're here checking out Jesus, that you'll put all of your biases and worldviews aside all of the things that maybe you grew up hearing about Jesus, that you would put them aside and that you would honestly check out the person of Jesus, that you would investigate who he is and who he was, what he did, what really happened, and, and, and ask yourself, why is Jesus so influential? And the reality is that Jesus lived and spoke in such a way that, that if you check him out, you are either for him or you're not. Like when you read and you discover and you investigate Jesus, there's really two responses. Either you're, you're with him or you're not. He's either totally irrelevant and should be forgotten, or he's the most immeasurably significant, important figure in history. Because why? Because he conquered death and he overcame the grave and he died for our sins. There's, there's really no in-between Either you're for him or you're not. And like Paul said, the Apostle Paul in in, in the New Testament, he said either Jesus didn't rise from the dead and we should be pitied because our faith is totally in vain, or he is who he says he is. He conquered death and he he deserves our adoration and our worship. Paul says there's no other option. There's these two options. You see, the story of salvation for every person Every person begins with the confrontation of Jesus, and maybe that's you this morning. But that's, not, that's only the beginning. Not only are we confronted with Jesus, but we are also called by Jesus. We are called by Jesus. Look at, at verses 5 through 7 again with me. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, so he's walking through the city, he reaches the tree that Zacchaeus has climbed up in, and he looked up, and he looked into the eyes of Zacchaeus, And he knew his name. Like, don't miss that. Like, he didn't just say, hey, you, little man, up in the tree. That's not what he said. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so it says he came down at once and and, uh, gladly, welcomed him gladly. And all the people around, and I love this, all the people around looked at him and began to, like, gossip with one another and said, oh, my gosh, Jesus is going to Zacchaeus' house. He's like... He's, he's a sinner. Like, he's a thief. He's rotten. He's awful. And Jesus is going to go and hang with him. And so Zacchaeus was confronted with Jesus, but he didn't know. Zacchaeus had no idea what he was looking for. He didn't know anything about Jesus. He just wanted to climb up in the tree and find out as much as he could, find out what the buzz was all about. He wasn't looking to be called by Jesus, but Jesus in that moment had other plans. You see, Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus, hear him, and decide for himself as if he was in control of the situation. 
He's checking Jesus out, but then Jesus does what? Jesus calls him by name and says, Zacchaeus, come on down, because me and you, we're going to have dinner together at your house. You see, Jesus invites him into a relationship. That's what Jesus does. And Zacchaeus, he doesn't invite Jesus over to the house. Zacchaeus doesn't say, hey, Jesus, I'd love for you to come over to dinner. But rather, Jesus makes an announcement so that everyone can hear and says, I'm coming over to your house today. And and I know this. I know that Zacchaeus didn't wake up that morning expecting to invite Jesus to invite himself over. Like he didn't, he didn't get the house ready. He didn't clean up the house. He didn't, he didn't get the magazines, the inappropriate magazines and shovel them under the couch. He didn't, he didn't like change the channels or, or clear out his Netflix history. He didn't do any of that stuff. He didn't like clear out the liquor cabinet. He didn't do any of that stuff. He didn't expect Jesus to come over. Jesus just calls out and, and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming I want a relationship with you. And praise God, that's a story for each and every one of us. Like, that's my story. I don't know about you, but that's my story. I wasn't looking for God in that moment. I wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus called out to me. On June 4th of 1989 in in, in Tampa, Florida, he called out to me. And listen, it's possible that you're here this morning. Is it possible that you're here this morning and maybe, maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian or a believer. And maybe you're here and you're just, someone invited you or you saw a sign or you decided to come and you checked out our website. And maybe you're here just checking out Jesus like Zacchaeus was doing. But could it be, could it be that Jesus has other plans? And could it be that he's about to invite himself into your life in a way that you could have never imagined? When I was sitting there in the University of South Florida Sundome, getting ready to graduate from high school with 659 of my classmates, I did not wake up that morning expecting Jesus to invite me into a personal relationship with him. I did not expect him to say, Rick, I want you to be my friend. I didn't expect Jesus to say, I want to come over and hang out with you. I didn't expect that. But Jesus invited himself into my life. And you know that, you know, you might be here and you might say, you know what, I know I need something. But maybe you're not sure what it is. I mean, that day for me, I knew I needed something else in my life. I knew that my life was a wreck and a mess and that I I needed something else. And maybe that's you. And you're here and you're like, I'm here just trying to figure it out. Like I just came to just kind of, figure it out, to test the waters, to dip my toe in the waters. I'm sensing this lostness, but I'm not sure what it is or what the answer is. And let me just say to you, if that's you today, that Jesus is saying to you, I'm it. I'm the answer. I'm the thing that you're looking for. I'm here, and I'm announcing that I'm busting into your life today, and I want to be in relationship with you Because that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm here to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he did for me. And that's what he can do for you. Look at verse 10 again. He says, for the Son of Man came. Jesus said this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
And so you might be wondering, well, who's he saving? Like, who did he come to save? Who did Jesus come to save? Who qualifies to be rescued by Jesus? Like, according to Jesus, what what, what do I have to do, right? Like, you might be thinking, well, what do I have to do to be saved by Jesus? And according to Jesus, the only thing that you have to be is lost. That's it. There's no other requirements. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I came to this earth to seek and save a certain kind of people. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say like, hey, I'm just here to save men. He doesn't say, I'm just here to save women. He doesn't say, I'm just here to save uh, white people, or I'm just here to save black people. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm just here to save people that speak a certain language. He doesn't say any of those things. There's no requirements. There's no other requirements except that you are lost. He doesn't say anything else. He simply says, I'm here to save and seek the lost. So if you're wondering, do I qualify? The answer is absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, yes. Because apart from Jesus, we are all lost. Sadly, though, many will reject Jesus. They'll reject Jesus because they just refuse to admit that they're lost. They're like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. I don't need anything. I can do this all on my own. I don't need Jesus. I'm not lost. I'm not even going to admit that I need rescuing. I don't need a savior. But Jesus says, I came to seek and save those who would admit that they're lost. Those that don't have it all together. Like, listen, if you're thinking you got to get your act together before you can be rescued by Jesus, give that up. Like, you don't have to have it all together. All you have to be is lost. Those whose life is a mess, Jesus is like, I'm in. I came for that. Those that that are struggling with addiction, I'm in. Jesus says, "I, I came to rescue you. Like, I came to rescue those who need rescuing. And when Jesus calls Zacchaeus, I love this, Zacchaeus immediately recognizes his own lostness and his own inability to rescue himself. Look at verses five through eight again. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, he said, Zacchaeus, he called him by name, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once, right, and welcomed him gladly. And look at what it says after that. It says, all the people, so they're all talking about him, and they're like, oh my gosh, he's a sinner, Jesus is gonna hang out with a sinner. But look at verse eight, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, right here and now, like he just got down from the tree, right here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Zacchaeus immediately recognizes, man, I'm a thief, I'm a mess. In the presence of Jesus, I need rescuing. I need a savior. The people are busy. They're calling him a sinner. He hears it. He hears the people saying, can you believe Jesus is going to go hang out at his house? But Zacchaeus doesn't care because Jesus came to save sinners. That's what he said. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost. And he's like, it's a good thing I'm a sinner. I'm in. Like, I'm in the crowd. I'm a sinner. That's messy. My life is a mess. I'm a thief, and that means that I qualify for his salvation. You see, the key to being saved is not that you're worthy. It's not that you're good enough. Like, you can't do things to receive salvation. It's the exact opposite. It's recognizing that you're lost. It's recognizing that you're not able to save yourself, that on your own, you can't do it. And that's what it means to be lost. 
And in the past few years, more and more people in our, in our culture are aware, are more aware of their lostness than ever before, which means there's a greater opportunity for advancing the gospel than ever before. And, and people are tired. They're tired of the empty promises of self-help. They're tired of the empty promises of positive thinking. They're, they're tired of the empty promises of pursuing careers, and you and I, as believers, we have a, a better and sure word and the gospel to give to people, and we've got to share it, because people are more aware now of their lostness than they've been in a long time. And listen, Zacchaeus, he was a thief. He stole money for a living, and the others in the crowd, they were judgmental, and they were self-righteous, and they're calling him a sinner, but they got mess in their own lives. And the reality is that every one of the people in the crowd, every one of them was lost and needed Jesus. And that's true for you and for me today. That maybe, maybe you can relate. Maybe you're a thief like Zacchaeus. Or maybe you're self-righteous like those in the crowd that were pointing their fingers at Zacchaeus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are because if you're lost... Jesus came for you. Now, saying we're lost still doesn't sound like good news, but in reality, it's the best news ever, right? It's the best news ever because it means that you qualify. You qualify to be one of the people that Jesus came to save. So with the story of Zacchaeus and all the scriptures that we're compelled to remember, that our biggest problem, our biggest problem is that we're all lost, and, 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 and it's, that, it's, it's our sin. It's not, it's not out there is not our problem. It's not our circumstances that we were born into that's our problem. It's our own mess. It's our own junk. We're lost because of our sin. And we, when we recognize that our biggest problem is our own sin, we will run to Jesus just like Zacchaeus did, who promised to seek and save the lost and here's the beauty of it all. And here's what makes Christmas so amazing is that it's all free. There's no cost involved. It's what we call grace. It's what I call crazy grace. That Jesus, just like he didn't list any requirements for Zacchaeus, like if I'm gonna rescue you, Zacchaeus, first you have to do A, B, C, and D. He didn't do that. And the same is true for us. He just, Jesus called out to Zacchaeus and, and yes, Zacchaeus decides to make amends for his past sins. He says, I'll pay everybody back. I'll, I'll give the money back. But that wasn't a requirement. That Zacchaeus didn't do it as a requirement. He did it out of gratitude for God's gift of salvation. That because Jesus saved him or rescued him, it was out of gratitude that he changed his life. You see, Jesus calls and Zacchaeus responds. That's it. That's the story of salvation for every single one of us in here, that Jesus is calling you and he's calling you by name. And some of you have responded to his call. And some of you have been living the Jesus way for a long time. And then there's others of you in this room that you have never responded to the call that Jesus has placed on your life. And now is an opportunity. 
You see, Jesus doesn't wait to see if Zacchaeus makes good on his promises to give the money back. Jesus doesn't say, okay, Zacchaeus, I'll be back in six weeks to let you know if salvation took or not. He doesn't do that. He simply responds and says, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. And that's how it is for us. That if you're a sinner in need of salvation, Jesus calls you. He calls you to turn to him. He calls you to respond. That's the whole thing. You don't have to get your act together. You don't have to, you don't have to live in fear. You don't, have to, you don't have to make things right. You don't have to follow a bunch of steps. You just have to say yes. And you can do that right now. Because here's the last thing I want you to know. Salvation, it's a free gift. And you can receive it right this moment. It's the gift that makes every other gift that you will open tomorrow or for the rest of your life pale in comparison. This is the whole story of Christmas in a nutshell. So no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter where you've been or what you've become, Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. He came for you. He came for me. He came to pursue you. He came to save you. It's the story of salvation for each and every one of us. And it began in a little manger in Bethlehem where a baby was born amongst the animals in the most humble of ways. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. You see, Jesus came from up there to down here to seek and to save the lost. So this Christmas, let me just ask you a, a real important question. Have you received the greatest gift ever given? The gift of salvation. Because the truth is, it's the reason for the season. Jesus came to bring every person on this planet this amazing, beautiful, wonderful, mysterious gift called salvation. And all that you have to do is be like Zacchaeus and receive it. Just receive it. No strings attached. No hoops to jump through. Just simply respond by saying something like this. Yes, Jesus. I want your salvation. I want to be rescued. I want to be a part of you. And as you respond, Jesus' response will be the same as it was for Zacchaeus. And he will say to you the same words he said to him, for today salvation has come to your house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. So church, have you received the gift of salvation? And if not, would today be the day on Christmas Eve of 2023? Will today be the day that you say, yes, Lord.
rescue me. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that for over 2,000 years ago, that you did come from up there to down here in the most humblest of ways, born of a virgin, born in a stable. For the simple reason of seeking and saving those who are lost. And Father, we can all relate to Zacchaeus' story this morning. And Lord, many of us have been right where Zacchaeus is and we've experienced your salvation. And our lives have been forever transformed because of it. Lord, I am so grateful and filled with gratitude for those who have said yes to you, who have recognized their lostness and have received salvation. And Father, then there's those of us in this room that, Lord, we've never, we've never received this amazing gift that you offer to every single man and woman and child that walks this earth. Father, my prayer is that today would be the day, today would be the day that you call their name, that they would respond to you with a emphatic yes. If that's you today, if Jesus is calling you, if he's calling out to you to come into a relationship with him, if he's inviting you you just say yes today it's nothing there's no predetermined speech you just say Jesus yes just say Jesus yes I come I want you to come I want you to rescue me I want you to be my Lord I want you to be my Savior I recognize that like Zacchaeus my life is a wreck it's a mess I'm a sinner I've got some things going on in my life that I know aren't right and Lord I recognize that you came on Christmas to seek and to save me. So today I'm receiving that gift, Lord. I say yes. That's you, just tell Jesus that. Just say yes, Jesus. I want you to come and be my Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus, you come. Father, we're so grateful for Christmas. We're so grateful that we can fully understand the reason for the season. It's not so much about giving gifts, it's about giving the greatest gift ever given, which was Jesus. Father, we get to celebrate with our family and our friends and we get to celebrate that fact. The whole reason that we celebrate this thing, the whole reason that we exchange gifts, the whole reason that we we have a meal together, the whole reason that we are more kind and more filled with joy and more loving during the season is because you because of your gift of salvation so Lord our hearts are full of gratitude Lord I celebrate with those that are sitting in this room who may for the very first time receive the gift of salvation Lord my prayer is that they wouldn't leave here today without telling somebody that they received the greatest gift they'll ever receive We love you, Lord. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for your gift.
of salvation. In your name we pray, amen. So as we wrap up our time together this morning, I wanna invite you, we always have this tradition or this time in our service where you are invited to come and spend time in prayer up front here. And now would be a beautiful time if you have received the gift of salvation. Maybe you just want to come with a heart of gratitude. Maybe during this song, you just want to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to seek and save me when I was lost. Or maybe today you gave your life to Christ for the first time. Maybe you just want to come up and you just want to make that real. Just on your knees before the Lord, just talk to Jesus. Tell him how grateful you are. You may not fully understand what it means, but you're like, I'm just so grateful that I've been rescued by Jesus. Whatever it is, we invite you to come. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm on the front row. I'd be honored to pray with you. I like to say around here, though, if you want to grab somebody around you, just grab someone near you and say, hey, will you come pray with me? And then as we stand together and let's sing with hearts of worship or let's pray with hearts of worship before the Lord as we wrap up our time together.